He's taken action in several countries and won suits against the paper in British and French courts, although images of the orgy can still be found on the web. The court ruled that Google... (laughs) I know. Thanks, NorthJersey.com paper website for not having links to these. Yeah, really? Come Um, on, man. It says the court ruled... Do what you do best and link to the rest. And link to the rest. Come <laughs> guys. Please. November 6, 2013. This is episode 76 of Yats. Every week, Wednesday evening, we get together right here on yetanothertechshow.com and we talk about tech. I'm Matt Lee. Joining me this evening, just a couple of us. We got Ant Pruitt. What's going on, Ant? What's going on, Mr. Lee? Good to have you, man. And uh, Larry Press with us. What's up, Larry? Hi, guys. Good to see you. Good to have you back. Every, uh, like I mentioned earlier, yetanothertexture.com, that's our website. All of this stuff can be found there. Uh, I should mention also Hangouts. I don't know if we mentioned this last week in the midst of the Hangout NSFW debacle, but um, <laughs> the way Hangouts works with individual pages now, they need to be tied to their own YouTube account within your main account, I guess. So now Yats and Attack of the Androids have their own channels for those things specifically so uh the link to it it's an ugly it looks like an encryption hash <laughs> like it's just an ugly link so uh it is on yet another if you look on the right hand bar you see all of our links uh you'll see yats youtube channel so uh definitely if you've been subscribed to the show on my channel like subscribe to this one because this is the yats channel now so and uh, everything will be broadcast from there from now on uh, for the live shows and also the tech show playlist that i maintain that will still be the same so if you want to just keep checking that playlist we have point and shoot yats and aota there but aota and yats have their own channels now so it won't all be on my personal channel which is cool, I guess. You can switch really easily within YouTube now. They made a thing that you can switch to any of your other accounts. So it's pretty easy. It's just, I don't know, bringing it together to where they have their own channels rather than kind of clustering it all in, in one that you made the page, right? So uh, that's pretty cool. We should, while we're kind of talking about that stuff, I know Ant really doesn't care about this because uh, he doesn't use Facebook, but the like button... Mashable has an article. The like button is getting a makeover. The thumb is gone. Have you seen this yet? I haven't even. I need to check Facebook now. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Middle finger. finger, right? The finger. It's the unlike button. Is it the middle <laughs> finger? Oh, they yeah. should have done that. That instead. We're unliking. We're unliking. <laughs> We're disliking. Them. I would like that. So it's just an F, and it says like. I okay. Uh, interesting numbers, 22 billion times every day these buttons are seen, embedded on more than 7.5 million websites. Talk about reach and information, right? They're getting signals. Yeah. 
from all 7.5 million of those websites all 22 billion times every day you look at that thing. Yeah, and it, that's impressive to be able to have that many impressions. That's m- massive. And and it definitely helps their stalker one-on-one page called um, Graph Search. But I, I don't quite get it as far as why this is news. This is about as exciting as the, the Twitter branding changing. And Twitter changed the bird logo. <laughs> you know, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> no way, this can't hold a candle to that. I mean, uh, uh, you know, if Google Plus comes out and says they're changing their logo, I'm going to rant about we that. We changed the shade of that. red, actually. Instead of CC4400, it's now CC4401. So it's it's just slightly lighter. <laughs> I think we think you'll really like it. Steve Jobs would have liked it. Oh, yeah. He would have plus one'd yeah. it and liked it and re <laughs> and retweeted it. We'll cover all our bases here. <laughs> uh, they yeah, say obviously the biggest difference you'll notice straight away the thumb is gone from the like button. Instead, it will appear in the dialog box above the button that shows you how many likes your post or page has. Uh, the new button features the Facebook F logo instead. It's white on blue. And actually, here I can just let's see. Is screen share gonna work? Dun, 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 dun. That's what it looks like. Boom. Well, Matt, uh, Matt, I guess this is not a bad idea for his branding, you know, right? Yeah, I don't know, though. Didn't That's they... That's going to get me to Facebook. That's really cool. Wow. That's <laughs> It kind of makes me, like, read it like I and like this, because it's like yeah. F-like. <laughs> it's a flike. <laughs> I flike that. It's a major innovation, I think. I think it should be hyphenated. I'm no designer, but hey. (laughs) That's all right, though. Whatever. And then... uh, What else? Oh, was that it? Okay. So, And then also, uh, in, in other social news, I guess we'll just cover that at the top of the show here. Twitter going public... Uh, they're pricing their initial public offering above the expected range, going to raise at least 1.8 Instagrams. Uh, what was it, $26 a share? That sounds about right. So they have they priced 70 million shares at $26 each, which was, the I guess, the expected range was from 23 to 25 So, And, I mean, that's normal, right? We'll just go a buck above the expected range, times that by 70 million shares, and we just made an extra... Part five of an Instagram or something, you know, something like that. Hey, what percentage of the whole company is that, though? Uh, it says the IPO values Twitter at fourteen point one billion, with the potential to reach fourteen point four if underwriters exercise an over allotment option, as they are widely expected to. If the full over allotment is exercised, they could raise two point one Instagrams, making it the second largest internet offering behind Facebook's sixteen Instagrams last year and Google uh, back in '04. What am I? Right? Do you feel it's worth it for something like Twitter more than a, something like a Facebook, or do you feel they're because they both kind of have their niches, right? They have their niches, but I believe with Facebook having the huge user base, it was somewhat of an advantage, but it just wasn't managed properly. I think with 
Twitter, they, they probably have a different set of leadership in, in place to be able to go out there and beat the streets and, and get more shareholders and stakeholders on their product, whether it's going to be viable or not. But I think the, the leadership is probably going to have a nice big payday. Well, and think and about the timing too, out. right? They saw Google, they saw Facebook, so you can instantly learn from those IPOs and then apply yeah. what you learned, the overhyping that Facebook happened, maybe the under that Google happened back in 04 because it was still early, and they could learn from that, hopefully, and then, yeah. you know. But again, the, the real question for the people that's going to have stake in Twitter, where are they going to get the money from? Where's Where's the monetizing of Twitter. Yeah, they have those ads and now going to have a lot more uh, pictures and so forth in your Twitter stream to get more attention and whatnot. And you know the different brands, is gonna they're going to use that new layout to try to further market stuff and, and advertise stuff. But again, as I've said before, how many of us actually really click on these ads and, and allow these people to get that... Um, per click paycheck. Isn't it almost like a charity thing at some point where it's like, man, I know you got to monetize this and I know ads are the way you do it. So I'll just click it. Or they show that they have all of these users. So it looks like, Hey, all of these people will see your ad. A million people could see it, but if no one clicks on it, who cares? Right. But it looks good initially. So yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I've done a charity click here and then because every now and then I like for somebody. I've actually had my AdWords account closed for doing too many charity clicks. So, you know, (laughs) it could go both (laughs) ways. You tell too many people to click on all those ads every day, and they will kill your account. Google will. <laughs> what were you going to say, Larry? It's, yeah, it's the only way they make money. I wonder if they make money by, like, they know all about you. They know what you follow. They've got a million, like they say, signals about you. I wonder if they sell that information to other people. Not as much as Facebook, yeah. though. I think they're, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know where they're. Their money comes from obviously the small business thing, right? They're wanting businesses to pay them to promote those tweets. So there's a little bit, but not only that, but what about the third party um, applications that uses the Twitter API, such as Foursquare and stuff like that? Or all the Twitter clients that they've killed in the past. I've gone through four well, no, paid not, clients. Not the Twitter clients, but you know, you have that, that stuff like like um like Foursquare and you check in at the Hellasville oh. grocery store, it pumps to your Twitter feed because right. of the API, you know. And right. then Foursquare is also tweeting that and other specials, depending on where you check in, into your stream to your followers, you know. And if someone say like Mr. Steve Wozniak, who uses Foursquare more than he uses Twitter, <laughs> you know, I see his stuff in Twitter all the time, and it's always. Four square check-ins. Right, and how many people do that? And wasn't that the problem with Google Buzz, right? Everyone just connected all of their stuff to it and then never went to it and just dumped all of this crap into it. And Mm -hmm. some people, like, I don't go to Twitter.com unless I don't have my phone or my tablet near me. The third-party apps are a much better experience for me because that's what I'm used to. But like I was starting to say before, I've gone through three or four paid third-party apps. I find one I like. I buy it after a while to get rid of the ads. And then what happens? Twitter comes along and is like, oh, were you using that? I'm sorry because we're going to kill it now. Or we're going to buy it and then we're going to kill it. So, yeah. 
Interesting, though, that something that is building a platform for, you know, real-time news and revolutions of sorts, I don't think that's too far to say that, you know, because of Twitter, you have this platform for people to use to gather around to start protests and what have you. And, I mean, Facebook obviously is used for that, too, now, and Google Plus to a, a smaller extent. But, I mean, Twitter was they were in it you know you could send it through a text message you didn't need internet connectivity and when you know governments shut down the internet <laughs> that's people are like using little femtocell to send out text messages to twitter so other people know what's happening there citizen journalism yeah what what now that they've gone public though they're going to have to reveal what how much money they make and, and how they how they get it well that's they the other interesting thing right in the, in the ipo documentation I didn't pay any attention. Yeah, it says investor enthusiasm for Twitter, which boasts 230 million users, including heads of state and celebrities, of course, uh, is oh. is strong, even though the microblogging network has never turned a profit. Uh, it says Goldman Sachs Group, Inc., which led the Twitter IPO, tops the list of U.S. tech book runners this year with an 18.3% market share, uh, which is up from 11% last year when it ranked fifth. Uh, this is uh, Thomson Reuters data. And uh, it says, yeah, that kind of what we said earlier, that they've been focused on avoiding many of the pitfalls that plagued Facebook during its $16 billion IPO last May. Uh, the company priced shares more conservatively than Facebook did and chose to list on the New York Stock Exchange rather than the NASDAQ. Do you think that I, – I don't do anything with stocks, obviously. So is that – you guys will have to explain that to me. Like why go for one over the other or is there a benefit to being on the NYSE and not the NASDAQ or what? Well, it seems like traditionally though, the, the and I think I'm right on this technology wise folks are all pretty much going towards NASDAQ. Um, it's just, uh, their bigger market kind of thing. Um, you get stuff like the New York stock exchange is more generalized and, and, what regular people are using, you know what I mean? Is that like you can go sign up for an E-Trade Day Trader account and do all of it? Is that what that is hooked to? Well, both, well those are brokers, and they they both use NASDAQ as, as well as the New York Stock Exchange and even some international markets. Um, but what I'm saying is something like, um, this might be a bad example, Bank of America is going to be on the New York Stock Exchange. That's something that's, oh, crap. That's just hotel phone. No, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. It's all good. Um, something like bank of America would be on New York stock exchange because that's what everyday folks are using versus Apple. Not everybody is Apple. Yeah. They got a crap ton of users, but the people that wants to buy into Apple, has the money, they tend to be over there on that NASDAQ side of things. I don't think from a buyer standpoint it makes any difference. The New York Stock Exchange was just around for forever. Yeah. And NASDAQ started yeah. up really to serve as tech companies. You know? Really? But I don't, as a stock buyer, I don't think you know what you're buying. It doesn't make any difference. But Larry, as a stock seller, does it make a difference? Then do you get, I mean, like that's what I'm curious about, like why they went that way and what the benefit is. Yeah, I have no idea. To avoid a bubble of sorts, maybe? I, I honestly have no idea either. Well, who knows what, what fees are associated with that IPO going there? Maybe New York Stock Exchange offered them a, a good rate. Maybe you know, they, they gave them a verified Twitter account or something. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's you know there's money exchanges hands and and they and maybe they just outbid Nasdaq. How's that for a theory? So it says uh, they're set to trade on the New York Stock Exchange on Thursday. The ticker is going to be TWTR. So pretty cool, I guess. I mean, a lot of people are going to get a lot of money from this. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of a lot of money, one Instagram worth of sales for Activision's Call of Duty Ghosts on their first day. Which And we've kind of been seeing this trend, and people always say that it's like, well, the cost of a game compared to a cost of a movie, all that stuff is different. But either way, a billion, like, that's nothing to sneeze at in a day? Like, come on. It's a pretty good day for me. That's, yeah, right? <laughs> that's a pretty good day for most people, I would say. I wonder what the breakdown of that is, too, considering the new consoles are coming out here in the next couple weeks. Mm. Oh, you mean like which console sold which part of that one billion? Yeah. I mean, the the new console isn't here yet, and you know there's going to be COD on those new consoles. And they still sold a billion of those things, and how much more will that number even go up because the new console is coming out? Okay, here, it says, um, for accounting purposes, okay, so <laughs> this might get a little tricky. Uh, for accounting oh, purposes... Oh, boy, they about to pull a Microsoft. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Once a copy of a game is sold, it is sold, okay? It is sold. The retailer is then generally at liberty to dispose of it as it wishes. So that $1 billion of retail stock will be sold at varying price points over time. In certain exceptional cases, the publisher may offer retailers financial incentives to discount the stock, but this price protection, in quotes, uh, is considered in business and accounting terms extraordinary. A uh, recent outbreak at Square Enix was one of the reasons for... I don't know. Okay. It is also worth noting that the $1 billion figure came from Activision for, uh, reflects not only copies of the game for the Xbox 360 and PS3, uh, but also retail copies for Windows PC and the Wii U, and copies for next-gen consoles that will already be in the retail pipeline, even if the average gamer does not yet own the hardware to play them on. Okay. So that's pretty much everything from them to the retailers. This okay. isn't retailers then out, right? Is that okay. Am I understanding that correctly? All right. So it's basically the warehouse numbers. Right. The so there MSRP could be numbers. like 5 million copies of this game just in a landfill somewhere next mm-hmm. year or something. You know, that it's not end-to-end to the people. It's to the stores. Well, but still, in that case, I don't think that's impressive then. Uh, you don't think? No. It, and they're comparing it, it, it to it, Grand Theft Auto V. Uh Basically, I guess that what did that do pretty well. They said it's not been broken out, yeah. but Take Two Interactive CEO said that Take Two's last earnings call that sell in was at twenty nine million, considerably more than a billion dollars worth of inventory. So, who knows? Mm, I, I I don't think this is impressive. That is, gosh, I can't talk to that. <laughs> I don't words? think that's as impressive as I originally did. If it's just. Like I said, it's the warehouse numbers and not right. the, the retailers' numbers because they're just going to be sitting on it and probably going to end up donating it into different packages. You know, you buy the console, you get a copy of this, or 
you know, stuff like that. Right. And of course, you can't put that in the headline because then it's just not a headline anymore. Right. It's saying it Activision boasts <laughs> $1 billion Call of Duty Ghost Day 1 sales. Like, oh, well, okay, kind of. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Is that Blizzard? I didn't know Blizzard was Activision. I thought they were separate. Interesting. Activision, I will remember from my fond, fond early Apple IIc days, Activision made the original Ghostbusters game on the Apple IIc on a floppy disk. (laughs) I used to love that game. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, that's why I remember Activision from when when I I was a kid. I think of pole position. Oh, they did that, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was the best. Do you remember the arcade one where you could sit in the thing, you had the stick that was high and low? Oh, man. The the steering wheel was as big as a ship mast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so good. And then OutRun came out, and everyone was like, oh, I'm going to play that one instead. (laughs) Yes. Because OutRun had the blonde. Pole position had no figures male or female or anything right. outrun it was like you were the dude in the convertible and then the blonde was there with the hair yes. blowing oh yes. man so funny in like 8-bit glory <laughs> yeah because everybody because anybody can drive a ferrari but, I not know. Just anybody, but not just anybody can drive an indy car sorry <laughs> very good point very good point i'm sure the game sales will reflect that point <laughs> <clears throat> have you played are you like uh we were talking before the show i think uh call of duty 2 was the last one i actually played and conquered you know played all the way through and yeah i like those games they're they're cool games uh, i enjoy the call of duty franchise and every november i have been getting the next chapter of it um sadly my gameplay time has been cut in in i can't even say in half it's way more than that you know i used to play probably about I don't know, maybe 20, 20 hours a week or something like that. I might be playing two hours a week now. You, know? you and me both, brother. My Candy Crush yeah. game time has gotten cut into like... <laughs> 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 I find myself eating more fiber so I can go to the bathroom more so I can play more games. It's weird. You know, that, that, I, want, I want to go back to last week's episode when you were talking about Windy Day. Um, oh yeah, sure. Because because as we remember last week's episode, I couldn't understand a word you guys were saying because of the hangout debacle. Which hangouts? Yeah. Thank you for working much better tonight. Yeah. I appreciate that, and I'm sorry I called you all those dirty names. But I I, I thought Windy Day on those the Motorola um, X phone or what have you. I think this is something that's going to be as, as monumental or revolutionary as Angry Birds, as far as how it changes the way we poop it is kind (laughs) of awesome and i mean like it's not a game right it's an interactive movie and it's only interactive as far as you have to take your phone it's like an augmented reality thing right where you use the camera of your phone to overlay but you're not using the camera but you are moving and it's moving but the tracking is so perfect that like you tilt the phone just a tiny bit and like it yeah. it's right on. So and I don't know if that's the Moto X has really good sensors or if they got their code figured out. But that but when I saw that I had to wake Kelsey up. I was like, you gotta see this red hat thing fly around in this mouse. Yeah. It's just like Ice Age and the squirrel. I was like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> but and that's the thing, yeah. Matt. You you started turning and tilting and you were hooked. You were in. Oh yeah. You oh yeah. Down. And like yeah, I said, I'm interested. Yeah, I'll take off if there's good development tools. 
How much did it cost them to? I haven't seen the thing. I'd like to see it, but how much did it cost them to produce that thing? Well, you figure that came out of their advertising budget, we think? Because we yeah. thought they no, had a really high yeah. ad budget, right? Like, why would they need that much money for an ad unless they were making something like this? Then it makes sense. No, I can see that it makes sense as a promotional deal, but is it going to become a mainstream, you know, media format? Uh, well, not, Larry, I don't think it would, unless they're really good development tools so that you and I can make those things. What it reminds me of, and I don't know, maybe Ant, you remember this uh, back in the day in the arcade games, Dragon Quest, or was it called Dragon Quest? It was that game that was not like any other game, and it was this cartoon that you interacted with, and it kind of changed gameplay for a little bit in that Dragon way. Lair. That Dragon's Lair. Dragon That's Lair. what it was. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. Dragon's Lair. And it was cartoony based on that cartoon with the dragon and the little, like, yeah. squirrely night guy. And that was yeah. the first game like it. This That's what this reminds me of with modern-day technology. It's like, here's what we can do. We've set the bar. Now go make something that's actually yeah. fully interactive with it, not just something you look around and follow, but make it so you can tap stuff, and there's characters that you can follow. And you could almost do, like, choose-your-own-adventure comic stuff that way, you know? You know, but there is there is one beef, and, and I don't know if you guys discussed it last week. Um, the security aspect of that app, because um, my understanding that application took over your home screen initially, right? Well, okay, so you know how with new version of Android, there's that new permission. What is it called? Screen overdraw, I, I believe. Mm, okay. Uh, let me see. I didn't know there was a new. I didn't know there was a new permission. Well, it's what face Facebook does with their uh, what's that called? Chat heads. It's okay. that thing, right? So you have an overlay on your screen of that icon, and you can move your chat head icon wherever you want on the screen. Uh, okay. That's what I thought it was taking advantage of. I could be wrong there. Um, it's just a widget, so you can't really look at the permissions. And because I have a Moto X, it came pre-installed. It wasn't something I went out and got. Okay, so help me to understand. If this was part of the chat... I'm sorry, go ahead, Larry. Why is it a security problem? I don't... Well, well, I know what you're talking about, Ant. It was... It was another podcast, and they were saying that it just showed up on your phone and it took control of your phone, and that's not exactly what it's doing. Well, you see, it's my not point. a program that showed up on your phone. It's a movie or a. a you know, but it's Moto right? Moto Spotlight Player is what it's called. Uh, let me find it here. I'll... Which is an app. <laughs> no, it is a widget. It's not an app, though. It's not okay. in your app drawer. It's in your widgets, and it's. You can see it uh, right there on the right, Moto, by my finger here, Moto Spotlight Player. I know it's kind of hard to see, but it's just literally a widget that you drag and put on your screen, and it's called Windy Day. So now I have the Windy Day app there, or widget, and you tap that, and then it opens up this. But presumably, now that you've got this player installed on your machine, you know, next week you'll be able to get Sunny Day, and the week after that, you know, cloudy day or Right, they'll like, put them on, and that's why it says, like what you saw, wonder what you've missed. You can replay it, because there's a ton of stuff to go back through and see. So, Or you can add a shortcut, or you can uninstall, and it says, no more ever, please don't play. And then you can hit learn more, and it says, Motorola Spotlight Stories delivers digital content like interactive animated shorts to your Motorola device. Motorola device. Okay, that's... Uh, Motorola Spotlight Stories will periodically... <laughs> automatically download new content when you're connected to Wi-Fi, 
tell you when you have a new content in a special way that's unique to each story. So the windy hat, you had this red hat kind of flying around your screen using that screen overdraw uh, permission, I think. Uh, and use your device's sensors to let you interact with the stories in new ways. Motorola Spotlight Stories does not deliver ads to your device or access any of your personal information. And then there's a privacy poly... Li- blah, blah, blah. Damn it, Ant. There's a privacy policy link and terms of conditions, and it says you can choose to disable Motorola Spotlight Stories via its app info page by clicking on the disable shortcut provided below. But see, Matt, the fact of the matter is this, not an app, widget, showed up on your phone, right? Just one more. Right, because I have a Moto X, and it's something that comes on Motorola devices. I don't know if it came on the new droids. I would imagine so, because they are Motorola also. Maybe the runtime was installed on the phone the day you bought it. Maybe all they're doing is downloading the the movie. Right, the player. It's a player. It's a a widget that is a player. Right. Okay. And my, it's, all I'm thinking about is this is a widget that was there, and then one morning you wake up, and that widget had been activated by showing you that floating, uh, floating red hat. Right. How did that get activated? That's my question. You know, if they if they have all of these permissions and privacy concerns, that sounds like they took took half a second to violate it just to get your attention to check out that widget that particular day. Not if it's pre-installed with, and here's the permission. So it can modify or delete the contents of your USB storage. Obviously, it has to download media and store it somewhere, right? So that's full network access. Obviously, it's going to receive data from the network. Run at startup. Control vibration. Prevent phone from sleeping. Expand or collapse the status bar because it's a full screen thing. Uh, Install shortcuts, read battery stats, send sticky broadcast, test access to protected storage, and uninstall shortcuts. So those are the only permissions it has. There's no, like, contacts. Like, you know how a lot of apps are like, we want all your contacts, Mm -hmm. we want everything, basically. So it's not doing that necessarily. But then again, do they have to? Because it's Motorola. They made the device. They pretty much do what they want at that point. Is this going to be a new art form and you're going to be... I think so. I think it's intuitive enough and it's cool enough and the devices are powerful enough that, yeah, I think it could be. Can you imagine the next tablets with this technology and the kids that get a hold of those tablets and just the the time they would spend with it? Kids are already fascinated by tablets anyway. Larry, you talked about how your, your, your grandkids would just pick up an iPad and just use it. You know, yeah, now no. you give them something like this that's going to be even more immersive and, and, and have them looking at stuff in augmented reality or whatnot. And they won't be able to put it down. I bet this could be huge well, for think people what like you, Pixar and DreamWorks, you know. And think what you could do educational wise. I uh, The lady that works at our office, her kid is like two or three now. And he has, like, his own iPad. It's one of their old iPads that they just gave him. And, like, that's his thing, man. And he... He knows that iPad. And so if you can take something like this and make it bright, fun, and colorful, obviously it's Pixar. They do all the kids' shows or kids' movie cartoons that us adults also like. Yeah. You could make that something that you could teach through if you wanted to or just have it as a game. You know, there's a lot of, I think, potential niches that spawn from this once you get the technology working. And I think that's what they've done here is they've showed – Here's what we're doing. We'll give you other videos, but 
hopefully they'll open it up to let other people make other stuff for it. And it would be really nice if they could get development tools that you and I and people like us could use as opposed to people like Pixar. One, look at what YouTube's doing. Look at what we're doing with Hangouts. I mean, they have a thing now with the new Google Plus update that you can tell it, I want these three videos I took, these 10 pictures, now make it a movie. And it'll just do it. You don't have to sit there and edit and trim and go through all that crap using Sony Vegas Video or Premiere. Or, and granted, you're still going to want to if you want to do anything other than what YouTube is offering, which is very low-level, minimal stuff right now. You know, you want a full editor if you're making full-on videos. But if YouTube has a thing that's like, make an interactive thing for me, here's all of what it needs, I don't see why you, you couldn't do that. Yeah, you have to have some notation for describing the environment, and then you build this story. Well, I think they would build that all in the back end, right? And then say, here's the elements we need from you. We need a background that's this big. We need these elements in this size, this DPI or whatever, because it looks really good. And the Moto X screen is really nice. Like, I I really like the screen on this. Um, So, yeah. You start out with some kind of a panorama photograph, and then you build your story inside of that. Right, and what does Photosphere do? I mean, I, I don't know. I see that there, there could be a lot of those tools already here that we just don't know that's what they could be used for. It's really interesting, I thought, either way. Yeah. It'll be really fun to see what's, what's there in five years. I'm excited to see what's there next week. I want another video. I'm done with Windy Hat. <laughs> you think that would get people to buy Moto X phones? You yeah, and that's all it is. It's a plot to get more Moto X phones purchased, you know. And that's fine. I mean, I'd rather have something that's fun and halfway useful than all that. Like, let's take uh, Samsung, for instance, and all that gimmicky touch with stuff that you turn off anyway. Yeah. See, but that's a, that's the difference. If Google is the boss of this, they're going to release it for everybody. If Motorola is the boss of it, they're going to just keep it on Motorola. And I wonder how that shakes out within Google. That's a good point, Larry. Well, isn't that just another notch in their argument that, look, we're keeping these as separate as we can? Which helps them with any anti potential antitrust. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. It's pretty interesting. And like we were talking about with uh, the new Call of Duty game, the last one I played was two. All of my gaming is now done on my Android tablet. I've been playing Dead Trigger Two, Death Dome. I mean, games that I would that are better than what I'm playing on my desktop here. You know, on this on this tablet, and I'm spending probably. Not as much time as, say, like when Zelda came out or something for the Super Nintendo, where you put in like weeks beating that game. You know, it's not like that, oh, but yeah. I am playing it more than I was before, which was not really playing anything at all. So, and it's more than just the casual, oh, I'm going to throw some angry birds at some stupid pigs for like 10 minutes while I poop. This is like, I'm going to sit down, <laughs> play some music, and, and smoke something, and I'm going to kill some zombies for an hour you know like that's that's how we do <laughs> takes you 10 minutes to poop well you know if i'm playing a game maybe it does what <laughs> that man some fiber. not all of us get two 15 minute breaks in an hour lunch and okay we got to take what we can get when we can get it in you know oh man <laughs> do you guys play logic puzzle games like i don't do games period my wife really loves what Logic puzzle guy. I used to on my Nintendo DS. I got way into the brain games stuff, but I haven't since. I um, play Words Up. 
I dinked around with the Impossible Game uh, franchise on on Google Play. I'm not sure if there's a iOS version of it or not, but it's just a bunch of random, off-topic, mindless stuff. But you have to think about it a little bit, you know, and it'll pop up on the screen and it'll say, uh, tap the square three times. And if you tap it four times, of course, it, it, it bombs on you or something like that. And it'll be a series of little things like that with simple instructions, find this kind of thing or point out that kind of thing. And, and, and it's simple, but then as you get into it a little more, they try to trip you up with little small things. Right. Keep you, you know, sharp, though, as, right? It keeps you sharp. Yeah, it keeps you sharp. It'll say something like, find the word that is in the color of red, and, you know, it'll have the word written out as orange, but it's red. Yep, it'll and say fine, blue, you know, but it's... Like that. Yeah, yeah, left-right brain stuff. Yeah. I also like games like Flow Free and uh, Gyro, where it's colors and you gotta like think about matching colors or or drawing lines to complete, you know, the square yeah. stuff like that. That that's it. It's not like I'm learning, but it feels like I'm keeping my brain it's sharper exercise. than exactly. Yeah, a little bit of exercise. It's giving your boring brain something to do because you know it's bored right now. <laughs> <laughs> gotta feed that thing. Uh, this is kind of interesting. Us, right? uh, moving on from, from games, the French court says that Google must drop nine mostly sex images. Now, mostly, his name is Max Mosley. He was a former Formula One chief, and apparently, if you do certain searches on Google Image Search, there are nine images of an orgy involving Mr. Max Mosley. Now... <laughs> I don't know why the French has beef with this, but they say that Google must get rid of these nine images. Google's associate general counsel, Daphne Keller, she said that the ruling amounted to asking Google to build a, quote, censorship machine and that the company would appeal. Now, I know, what do you guys think of this? Now, it's a slippery, slippery slope when you ask a search engine. This so sounds like the Facebook beheading videos. What's the difference here? Well, the difference is this is in pure search, and Facebook is – it's a social network only, right, with some okay. search aspects. Okay, so right. – You could okay. easily you – could, you could more easily ask Facebook to take something down like that because a bunch of users flag that content than you could ask Google to take something down in a public space that they shouldn't be tinkering with any kind of censorship. If you're yeah. searching for those images and those images are there and Google knows they're there, it better bring you those results. What's uh, the guy's name? I'm going to search for Max Mosley, M-O-S-L-E-Y. We kind of talked about this a little bit. We do another podcast called The Hotbox, uh, and we're talking about this as far as if you search for medical marijuana in Montana, a bunch of the top search results were Miley Cyrus because of the Hannah Montana and her getting busted smoking pot thing. Now, is it up to Google to know that you were searching for either Hannah Montana or the state of Montana? Or is it up to you as the user to put in the proper search operators to thin out your results? See, I think it the onus, it's up to the user. That's what I think, too. Yeah. I mean, a computer is only going to give you Exactly. What you tell it in Google, <laughs> whether people believe it or not, is part of a computer somewhere. A very, very large computer. Floating on know. a barge, possibly. 
on a barge. Yes. I can tell you this. I just did a Google search for Max Mosley and looked at the images, and there it's just a million pictures of this guy. I don't see any orgies. I'm kind of disappointed. Now do a search for Max Mosley <laughs> orgy pictures. He's disappointed. Go for it. Oh gosh! Don't, don't don't search for it, Larry. And then yeah, share. And then share. Do a screen share. And Larry would know. Just... I'm just kidding, Larry. <laughs> yeah, there's some. Okay, I can't share that. I mean, there's one. Kind of <laughs> I can't share that. <laughs> Which is nothing like an origin. You don't see anything. Oh, my gosh. So check this out. In, In 2008, the now defunct News of the World newspaper, they publish a story alleging that Mosley participated in a sex session with prostitutes. Ooh. It also posted a video on its website that purported to show Mosley during the session. So you need to search for Mosley sex orgy video pictures. <laughs> okay, Sorry. wait a minute. So now, Most... now it's making more sense if they're wanting people to pull this. They want Google to pull these images down, but yet people are specifically searching for. But them. Google it's didn't. Up. Google didn't put the pictures up there or the video up there. It's not no, theirs didn't. to pull down. If yeah. it's a big problem, you go to the host of the site that has the images up, and you say, "Hey." That's me. I made a terrible mistake, and I'm going to need you to go ahead and take those down, you know? And I'm obviously the former NASCAR, or excuse me, Formula One chief. He has enough money to get a lawyer to make that happen, right? Why is the French court... So why is the French court ruling on this? How did it end up in France, first of all, and why do they have a ruling on something like this? Well, uh, France says, hasn't been in the news in a couple of weeks since they did the whole Linux at the police force is thing. Is France so. staying relevant? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, France. That's what it is. Uh, it says Mosley has acknowledged his involvement but said the British tabloid grossly violated his privacy. Hey, we're living in 2013. Everybody's privacy has been grossly violated, bud. You so are a celebrity. You don't... have no privacy. Exactly. <laughs> He has since taken legal action in several countries. There we go. This is where France comes in. He's taken action in several countries and won suits against the paper in British and French courts, although images of the orgy can still be found on the web. The court ruled that Google... (laughs) I know. Thanks, NorthJersey.com paper website for not having links to these. Yeah, really? Come Um, on, man. It says the court ruled... Do what you do best and link to the rest. And link to the rest. Come on, guys. You're going to pull a Murdoch and be like, we don't want any incoming search links from Google. And then his traffic disappears, and then he's like, oh, wait, did I say that? I mean, we want that. Um. (laughs) The court ruled that Google must purge nine images from its search results or pay 1,000 euros each time one of the images appears. That's $1,300. It also ordered Google to pay Mosley one euro, that's a buck 40, in damages, and 5,000 euros, that's around 6,700, in court costs. 
I love that the court's like, you owe this guy like a dollar forty. Google's like, all I got is five. Do you have change? <laughs> <laughs> That's so great that that. Uh, Mosley's complaint asks that Google purge all images of the orgy and cited nine examples. So there may be more than those, the, the circle of nine here that it's it's mentioning. What did, what did Google do? Uh, did it they... was unclear if there are more images on the web, but the court said it was important to keep the order narrow. Google, however, still argues that the ruling is too broad. It says it already removes specific web addresses from its search results when they contain unlawful content. That's We saw that with the torrent stuff, for instance, which I think you can still search for torrents on Google. I don't do that, but I'm pretty sure you can. I'd have uh, to yeah, check. it's there. Is it? Uh, okay. It's there. Um, Google is concerned that it wouldn't be able to build a filter that only targets the mostly images, but would accidentally also weed out the... Uh, lawful content quote this is a troubling ruling with serious consequences for free expression and we will appeal it so that's uh daphne keller again google's associate general counsel always a fun day in her world i'm sure like could you imagine being google's counsel their general counsel (laughs) or on that that team it'd be such a crazy job i bet I probably insane. could do it. It would be a lot of whiskey involved. Uh, right? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Didn't I think that was on like one of the latest Jon Stewart episodes where the guy oh, yeah. is like, how do you do this every day? And he's like, oh, I just pretend I'm playing the role of someone who's actively watching his government and, and country just fall apart around him. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> It's all about acting. Just got to assume the role. Oh, man. So, but honestly, like, this is kind of important. Do you think Google should be doing this? Um, No, I, I don't think so. I don't either. I think it should go back to the, the source and because you also have all of the whole creative commons stuff to deal with, too. Well, but and think of this. Google's not the only search engine. I mean, they're the main one, but... And that people put those pictures up everywhere. As soon as somebody wants something, take it down. That is the bump it needs to make it viral. It seems like, Is it like, showing right? up in Alta Vista? I don't know what that is. Is it on Webcrawler? <laughs> Webcrawler. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. Webcrawler? Yeah. That used to be yes. my jam back in the day. Yes. Searching for guitar tabs on Webcrawler. We got yelled at by our, like, eighth grade teacher because we were wasting so much printer paper because we would all, like, go there and print out all the songs we wanted to learn. And not yes. just, like, one copy for me. Like, who else wants to, you know, so we're, like, printing well, out course, all these. I'm not paying for this paper. Oh, or yeah, anything. You know, not at all. Not at all. We printed out so many guitar tabs. Gosh. <laughs> they ended up, like, yelling at us and not letting us use computers for a while. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think they, they should either. Uh, in other Google news, we've had a lot of articles come out about the Google floating barge and what it might be, what people think it is. I think some of the more laughable reports were from, like, ABC or NBC saying that it was, like, what, a nightclub? Or they, they said it was something weird. Yeah, a wild party boat. <laughs> <laughs> like, Google needs a... F- like, they have a yacht. Have you seen their yacht? Why would they have a barge for that? I mean... Okay. Uh, But yeah, so Google finally came out. And you know they loved it, right? I mean, everyone's talking about it. What could this be? 
it's uh it's the hype building, right? So you can only let that go so far before people are like, oh, it's a wild party boat of debauchery or something like that. So uh, Google comes out and they break the silence uh, about this floating barge structure. If you live in San Francisco by the bay there, I believe you can see it. Is it Mike by there somewhere? Yeah, you should go get pictures of it for us. So, um, so it says Google Barge, a floating data center, a wild party boat, a barge housing the last remaining dinosaur. Sadly, none of the above. So it's not a floating data center. That's what I thought it was. Uh, Google said in a statement, quote, although it's still early days and things may change, we're exploring using the barge as an interactive space where people can learn about new technology. I wonder if it's out there because you don't have to pay property taxes on a body of water. A Google University? Google you? (laughs) Google me? (laughs) I mean, you know, because I mean, if you're going to do that, they could have just built a damn building somewhere. That sounds hokier than Yeah, right. I would believe it's a floating data center before I believe it's an interactive space where people can learn about new technology. Like, okay. Come on, seriously? Uh, the structure was discovered in late October, prompting a visit from the U.S. Coast Guard. A second barge has been spotted in Portland, Maine. Their appearance sparked widespread speculation that Google was building floating data centers to fuel its rapid internet search results. Uh, Local CBS affiliate KPIX reported November 1st that the San Francisco barge will boast a party deck and showrooms to market Google Glass and other gadgets. (laughs) Google's statement Wednesday mostly confirmed this. Uh, Google may be building extravagant gadget showrooms to compete with Apple, which has had huge success with its carefully designed retail stores. Google is designing and selling more of its own gadgets, including Google Glass and other wearable tech like the watch. Uh, Such devices often require retail locations where consumers can try them out and be taught by sales staff how to use them. Which, that that makes sense, right? You see people, if you go into any Verizon or AT&T store... You see people fiddling around with all the phones. And they have no idea what they're doing. They, you s- they have these things called stores on dry land. Why would they want to build it out of barge? Because it's that Google. Yeah. I think Ant might be onto something. They want to keep the overhead as low as possible so that you can sell Nexus 5s for a couple hundred bucks a pop unlocked. I, I don't know. Yeah. This just then. This is where the development of Android 5.0 was taking place. I like this is the last dinosaur <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're actually building I mean, they gotta make some news well i mean they don't have to but yeah this is, yeah this is another good way for them to make some news i mean i appreciate that epic try usa today so hey, is that thing that you said about being a training center i mean google said that's what it really is yeah that's what it says in the article kinda are they really Potential. saying that though or are they saying that because see, they they said potential they, to do that. Well, and they make the caveat that right, although it's still early days and things may change, we're exploring using the barge as this. We're we're thinking about it. We're checking it out. But hey, it's still early, and this might end up actually just being a floating strip club somewhere. Maybe they're know. just doing experiments in low cost construction. Maybe I mean, maybe they think it might be maybe. Maybe. Check this out. You float the barge to international waters, and then you conduct all your little experiments on all the people you suckered into coming aboard the barge. And then 
you pretty much do whatever you want to those people. I mean, that's, <laughs> you're in international waters. I mean, that's pirate land, matey. Arr. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> Lost. Yeah, right? Is, right? <laughs> Lost. If, if Google starts jumping through time, I'm out. I'm done. I bailed on Lost. When they started doing that, I will bail on Google just the same. That was the worst. We don't know what to do with our storyline, so we're just going to jump through time and space for the next 18 episodes, and then we'll end it by saying they were all dead and it's just a dream. Spoiler alert, if you didn't finish Lost, they were all dead. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> so stupid. Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I'd like to see it up close. It'd be cool to take a tour of it when it's done. Uh, Larry, even worse than the NSA... Cuba has a thousand students doing work study acting as pro-government trolls on the internet. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Sad but true. Sad but true. Oh, they, uh, oh gosh. A, uh, a guy who was uh, was very much part of that, uh, but he got kind of famous oh, quite a few years, maybe four or five years ago, for sort of switching over and becoming a dissident. And he... Uh, there's a, an interview of him, a video of an interview of him released a couple of months ago where he just spells out what they're doing. They, students, uh, you know, students at, at Cuban universities have to do kind of work study. They kind of, uh, they work on projects and stuff. So he said that when he was there, there was this uh, truth brigade they were doing. Uh, they had a thousand students. And what do they do? They post nice things about the government. When they find something or criticizing the government, they go to that website or you know blog or whatever and they troll all over it they were just totally hired to be trolls so they're basically taking a play out of amazon and newegg's review playbook when a when a, a product comes out they want to pay some people to maybe write a bunch of good reviews about it so that it looks good i mean it's kind of the same thing but politics right that's they're doing the good review side and then on the other side they're doing the uh go and argue and trash and troll with people that criticize. Is this coming into real-world face-to-face meetings where they're actually trolling people in real life or maybe getting <laughs> violent with them? No, because that'll happen, right? People dump out an address, and pretty soon you have a knock on the door because you said something bad about the Cuban government. Like, that's kind of... Oh. The Cuban government does that to Cuban Anyway, history. right? Yeah, they, okay. Uh, bloggers get arrested, bloggers get sure. beat up. But lots of bloggers get tolerated. It's a funny, it's a funny thing. But I think we talked. Didn't we talk about that Freedom House uh, yeah. ranking? Yeah, I think that yeah. was what last episode or the episode before. Before was uh, was being rough, you know, doing uh, intimidating bloggers uh, or people that use social media. But uh, yeah, no, this guy comes out. It's kind of it's a he just lays it all out. What his responsibility was, how many people, how the thing was organized. Wow, that's that's really interesting. It's we should almost put them in touch with uh, America's cyberbullying thing. You know, there's like a big anti-cyberbully push here. That's kind of in essence what they're doing. They're just being big yeah, cyberbullies. Who do you think would win in a fight, them or like 4chan or the Reddit b-boards? There you go. Okay. Oh, dude, you know 4chan are seasoned veterans. No That's true. <laughs> they're they're not no like fresh out of school students just like well, here troll this. They're on the payroll. Though. I mean, they're getting you know they get room and board and, and education. This is 
It's like works. It's like being a teaching assistant. Which in see that's the difference, Larry. They got room and board and pay. Four Chan has passion. No, <laughs> though a lot of those kids that are on Four Chan also have room and board. Their parents' basements. So let's not. I mean, come on. It's <laughs> it's kind of the same. I shouldn't talk bad about Four Chan. I love. 4chan. I wish yeah. never ever talk bad about. And here comes the 4, DDoS. 4chan or or Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is, that is really interesting. Uh, I think we should end the show with this: uh, an article on the Guardian, Sir Tim Berners Lee. If you guys don't know, which if you listen to Yats, I'm sure you know, but if you don't, uh, he's the computer scientist who created the World Wide Web. That's right. It wasn't Al Gore. It was Tim Berners Lee. <laughs> But uh, he has called for a full and frank public debate over Internet surveillance by the NSA and its British counterpart, GCHQ, warning that the system of checks and balances to oversee the agencies has failed. Very smart man. When he speaks, everybody should probably be listening. He knows what he's talking about. As the inventor of the global system of interconnectivity known as the web, thank you, Guardian, now, uh, with its now ubiquitous WWW and HTTP, Berners-Lee is uniquely qualified to comment on the Internet spying revealed by Edward Snowden. Um, he said the agency's decision to break the encryption software was appalling and foolish as it directly contradicted efforts of the U.S. and the U.K. governments to fight cybercrime and cyber warfare, which they have identified as a national security priority. Berners-Lee also said it was a betrayal of the technology industry. Uh, in contrast to several senior British politicians, including the Prime Minister David Cameron, who have called for The Guardian to be investigated over reporting of the Snowden leaks, Berners-Lee sees the news organization and Snowden as having acted in the public interest. He says, quote, Whistleblowers and responsible media outlets that work with them play an important role in society. We need powerful agencies to combat criminal activity online, but any powerful agency needs checks and balances, and, based on recent revelations, it seems the current system of checks and balances has failed. He's absolutely correct. Yeah, I don't, I don't think being Tim Berners-Lee is, and I, I agree with what he's saying, but that he's, he's not specially qualified to be that. It's a little bit like a movie star having that. Well, yeah, but I mean, he knows Sarah about the technology, the right? They're talking about him going after the Guardian. That would be really scary present. Which, and then what does that do for someone like Jeff Bezos from Amazon who bought the Washington Post? You know, like, I mean, the government can make doing day to day business for Amazon quite uncomfortable if they want to, I would imagine. And would that make him say yay or nay to certain articles that might get published on the Washington Post now? And then does that take away the credibility of that online paper if they do? It's another slippery slope. Uh, he's the director of the WWWC, the W3C, uh, the World Wide Web Consortium. They seek to forward global standards for the web. Uh, and a leading authority on the power and the vulnerabilities of the Internet. He said the Guardian's coverage of the Snowden leaks had to be seen within the context of the failure of oversight of GCHQs and the NSA's surveillance activities. Here is where whistleblowing and responsible reporting can step in to protect society's interests. So, 
And uh, it goes on. I'll put a link to this in the show notes. We're kind of at the end of the hour here. But really interesting read, definitely. Uh, he also criticized the cracking of encryption on ethical grounds. He says, quote, any democratic country has to take the high road. It has to live by its principles. I'm very sympathetic to attempts to increase security against organized crime. But you have to distinguish yourself from the criminal. Which. <laughs> That's a strong line right there. Right? Yeah. Those are big words, man. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Uh, somebody in the a new domain group posted it. I thought it was interesting to uh, talk about. Uh, he said that the series of Snowden disclosures revealed a failure at the heart of oversight in both the U.S. and U.K. governments, which he called dysfunctional and unaccountable. The leaked documents raised the question, who guards the guards themselves? I think we'll end on that. Who guards the guards themselves? The king. That's who. If they're the king's guards, the king's got a guard, right? So in a democracy, that would be we the people instead of the king. But that's not exactly how it's working, is it? Nope. Nope. Which means it's not working. It's broken. I guess it depends on what side of the fence you're on. The fact that we're talking about it is a good sign. Yeah, everyone should be talking about it. And everyone should be encrypting all of their stuff. You should encrypt your stuff before somebody else encrypts it for you if you know about crypto or what was that called? Crypto locker or bit locker? Crypto locker. That that malware they're going around and that man, you hope you don't get hit by that. And if you do, you hope you have three hundred dollars to give them to get your stuff back because they implemented that perfectly. There is no cracking that there's not you can't. And I also heard the place the keys are stored, if your stuff gets hacked and you're in the process of paying them, and the feds roll in and pop that server, your stuff is gone. Those keys are gone. You will never get them back, in which case you will never get your data back. So don't click on links and emails, guys. I think we all know that by now. But you know, I've, I've been hearing all kinds of hype about this thing. But like, it's bad news, man. Really documented cases of people being hand by a bunch. Really rampant. A bunch. Go to here. Let me see if this links. What, what did Larry say? Well, I, what I said was I've I've heard a lot of talk about this. Uh, okay, here. Go to real cases. Have there? How many people have said, "Oh yeah, it got me." I mean, is it really a bunch? Listen, go to Bitly. It's a bit a short link. Bitly dot com slash bleeping. B L E E P I N G. That'll take you to bleepingcomputer dot com slash virus removal slash crypto locker ransomware. This is a thread on a forum where people are discussing it. There's a whole write up about it. It's very, very interesting read. And uh yeah, people are paying the money to get their stuff back. And yeah. like do they have a count of like how many people have this has happened to not on time. this site. I this is just like a rundown of uh, you can see oh, the table. It was bitly what? Uh, bitly dot com slash bleeping b l e e p i n g, and we'll put a link to this in the show notes on yet another tech show dot com. But this is a great. I heard this on Security Now. Uh, the table of contents. I'll just it, it says what is CryptoLocker? What should you do when you discover your computer is infected with it? Is it possible to decrypt files encrypted by it? Will paying the ransom actually decrypt them? All of this this stuff. And there's a part in there about how to prevent your computer from becoming infected. And, uh, Ant, you would know about this. It has to do with uh, changing certain uh, policies. because and, and this only works for now. 
because the way it installs itself, you can create policies to prevent that particular thing from installing. But all they have to do is rewrite the code to change where it's installing and the policy is bypassed. But for now, as far as I know, this will work. So, but just the best thing to do, just don't click on links in your email. If you get a link from PayPal, go to paypal.com and check your account. Don't click the link in the email because chances are it's not really from PayPal. And you guys know that. We don't have to tell you that. But your parents might not know that. So you might want to tell your parents from us. You're the well, middle middle person. That leads into uh, I got a piece out there on a new domain as well as on Tech Page One that's talking about similar stuff with um, securing your computer and, and online life. Mm. Um, so I want to say November 30th is actually the National Computer Security Day. And you, people really still need to take heed to just little tips about not clicking on crap inside of your email. If Phishing you're not sure works. What it is, or, or reporting spam. You know, there's a reason you continue to get hit with spam. It's because it's actually working somewhere. You know what I mean? And I had uh, a couple of years ago on my old blog, I remember doing a piece because I had a phishing email come to me from PayPal. And I knew it was fake as soon as I got it because it came to an email address that I know isn't associated with PayPal. Nice. And so what I did is I took the risk and went ahead and clicked on the link because I figured all right, the, if anything happens, I can just wipe my hard drive. Were you on Ubuntu or any Linux distro or were you on Windows? Because most of no, the stuff was, is... this was on the Windows machine. Okay. See, I wouldn't and... have done that on Windows. You're, you got bigger cojones than me, man. Yeah, that's why I said if, if anything, I can just format the drive. Sure, computer. right. Yeah, yeah. So I clicked on the link, and it was well done. An auto-downloader of a JavaScript? No, there was no downloader. It just took you to a site that looked just like PayPal. It was so well done. They spoofed it, and then you log in, and then your creds go to them. Yeah, I, I nice. took pictures of it. I remember taking screenshots of it. It, it was beautiful. The well, logo to the T, the only difference was the URL did not have a paypal uh domain or anything like that. it was paypal one it was paypal one.com so it looks like paypal.com but it's a one not an l exactly a little stuff like that oh, most no. people won't catch that right you know but man somebody could have clicked on that link like i did and gone ahead and proceeded with logging in transferring money or pulling money and whatnot but think knowing the bank account stuff is there exactly. and just getting ripped off by a key logger left and exactly right, think know. what's connected to your paypal account that goes instantly from fake internet life to real bank account life like that's yes. yeah that's great man and you gotta know like there's toolkits out there that will auto generate sites to use mm-hmm. in i mean they're for pen testing obviously yeah. but black hats will obviously use it for not pen testing <laughs> for pen testing you um and they'll just it'll just auto on the fly it'll generate a site that looks just like the paypal main page or the gmail main page or anything i mean there's a click down backtrack has this built into it in this the toolkit like it's mm-hmm. it's very trivial to do something like that now the tricky stuff is writing the payloads that are actually doing the infecting or exploiting the zero day vulnerabilities that's that's the tricky stuff getting someone to go to a fake page that's child's play man you do that Mm -hmm. all day but what i was gonna say is that it's hard for normal people not to click on that stuff because it's social engineering it's it attacks you in your your 
places, man. It's like your money, your love life, your ego. It's made to like make you want to click that psychologically. Like they figured it out. You hit your money, your sex, or your ego, you're going to click on that. And you just got to know, like, that's don't click on anything in email. You shouldn't even be using HTML in email anyway, because that's how they hide the links. You mask the link, you know, in a a ref, and that's it. Anyway. And even on the telephone, too, and I know we're running out of time, but even on the telephone, you you get people. We've had this in, um, I want to say it was in my office in North Carolina, where someone received a phone call from the help desk Mm. about fixing their computers. Mm. And the person says, okay, yeah, we got, we got a report that you got this, this, and that, and so I need to go ahead and check it out. Can you give me the IP address of your computer? Mm-hmm. Now, a common person is, I shouldn't say common, a, a less technical person is not going to know about IP addresses and things like that and the vulnerabilities of that. Um, fortunately, it wouldn't have mattered in this case since we're on a local area network and whatnot, but it, it, it they'll try you in. Oh, and Ant goes down in flames. Nice Google Hangouts. Uh, I was going to say that kind of reminds me of the old social engineering scam where you call up the the data center and you say, hey, you have a modem there on your desk. I need the number that's on it. And the lady there picks it up and reads you off the number, and boom, you're in. I mean, it's, it's the same trick. You know, it's just making it sound like you're supposed to be there. It's the same trick we used to use to buy cigarettes when we were 16. You just roll in there with confidence, and you'd be like, I want a pack of Camel Lights, and I want them now. And they'll sell them to you, you know? It's social engineering. All right, well, I... I, Oh, there's Ant. Speaking of getting hacked... (laughs) No, my, um, my laptop died. Oh, nice. Okay, well, we're done here. Ant, you got some articles you mentioned on techpage1.com and a new domain.net. That is correct. Um, go to techpage1.com or a new domain. And uh, just look at some of the stuff that I got out there recently, the security information. Definitely read that. It, you'll find some helpful stuff in there that most people don't really think about. And I also did another write-up on Peppermint OS, which is a Linux distribution. Oh, nice. Very lightweight. I played around with it, and it works. I put it on a an, on an old laptop, and I also put it on a, a VM that had very, very low specs, and it did what it needed to do to be just your run-of-the-mill um, web surfing computer. Nice. You know? I also, that kind of reminds me, I wrote, and this is older, but I mean, all of this stuff remains relative. I wrote a, a piece quite a while ago for Tech Page One about, you know, don't get hit by phishing and here's what to look out for. And I mean, all that stuff is still relevant. So we'll dig them up. And, and since it's it's security day, maybe for next episode, we'll, we'll talk about some of our favorite ones and kind of, we should do like a reminder of like, you know, here's how to stay safe. Something maybe turn on your your parents or your non-tech friends to yats by this this episode and we'll we'll give a, a little like here's how to to keep your stuff I suggest uh, we, straight i suggest we do that prior to black friday yeah that would be good that'd be definitely good so all right larry press has stuff over on a new domain.net and tech page one as well and his blog which is on the site you can find that at yet another tech uh, check out Attack of the Androids Tuesdays. Of course, yeah, it's on Wednesdays. Point and Shoot on Thursdays. We got the whole middle of your week covered. No. I like that. Yet another texture.com. Subscribe in iTunes. We mainly hang out on the Google Plus community because Ant won't use Facebook. Uh, so check that out. 
and we do have a Twitter and a Facebook page if you want to check that out. I really only post like the show is live and here's the episode we did and that's it. So <laughs> everything else though, we do have good tech discussions on the Google Plus community. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, we have our own YouTube uh, page channel now. So make sure if you like the show, resubscribe to that. The link is on the site. All of that stuff is at yet another tech So, all right. Thanks for listening guys. And we'll catch you next week. Tech Show. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.